It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We thank you for joining us. Wherever you're listening, we really appreciate you uh, checking in. Uh, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. This is the uh, Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio uh, Network and WCOM in uh, Carborough and Chapel Hill, North Carolina, our, our station there. Um, we thank you for joining us. If you have a question, our chat room is open, so you can hit us there or on Facebook at Pad Nation or on Twitter, Pad Nation 2, and uh, also Facebook Live and Instagram will be open uh, very, very soon. 
I want to go to my first guest. It's a pleasure always to have him on. He's Reverend Dr. Uh, Quadricos uh, Drisco. He's an adjunct professor at the Graduate School of Professional Management, uh, and we really appreciate him coming on. Good evening to you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Good evening. It's good to be with you yet again. Absolutely. Uh, I want to start with the Trump Supreme Court nominee, Miss um, Barrett, that um, he chose. And, you know, the way this this whole thing has gone down, to me, uh, Dr. Driscoll, is it, it, the fact that, you know, if Democrats would do sort of the the things that Republicans would do, we probably wouldn't be in the situation that we're in when when this this nomination goes through. It'll be it'll be a six three court, you know, with uh, the passing of the late uh, Justice uh, Ginsburg. But it 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 almost seems that if if Democrats stop playing checkers, right, and 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 play chess like Republicans, um, they can fight it because talk about that and 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 also from your understanding, um, what options do they have to slow this down at least until after um, the elections on November third? Right. Well, I completely agree with you. In, in fact, um, I think we just need to apologize to Michelle Obama right now because we need to go very low. Uh, I think we, quite frankly, <laughs> exactly. the, I think the Democrats need to go gutter low. Um, <laughs> if, <clears throat> you know, so the, the reality is, um, unfortunately, there is not much the, the Democrats can do at this point. It, it does look like uh, Judge Barrett will become Justice Barrett. And um, it's, it's an unfortunate reality because when we, of course, think of the federal judiciary, uh, Trump's legacy is, quite frankly, cemented. Um, he would have appointed three Supreme Court justices in really a four-year span and, and several others to the federal judiciary, I believe, upwards to nearly 200 federal judges, which is more than any other president since Richard Nixon has appointed in their first term. So we need to just think about that for a moment and what uh, that means in terms of a ongoing, very conservative federal judiciary, many of whom I would argue are very young. They are somewhere in their mid to late, mid to late thirties, but also early forties. And so their longevity on the federal bench, be it at the appellate court level, um, at the district level, and clearly at the three at the Supreme Court level will be there for years to come. Um, So I am not necessarily against, as an institutionalist, changing the rules of the Senate and and immediately getting rid of the filibuster. But I do think there needs to be considerable consideration given how how the Democrats, if they were to win the Senate particularly, begin to function to ensure 
that they also stack the judiciary with nominations. Um, and also that the Democrats, which they have not, and I think you alluded to this, they haven't traditionally done. Republicans have traditionally focused on the federal republic, excuse me, the federal judiciary, and how important it is to get judges and the Supreme Court justices appointed um, to ensure their victories, primarily the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which, we, of course, we know is about reproductive rights for women, and, and other issues, mainly with regard to the social issues of our country that Republicans have historically focused on stacking the federal judiciary and the Supreme Court. Democrats rarely talk about the importance of the federal judiciary and the Supreme Court, and I think it's high time now that they start to educate uh, their base about the importance of the federal judiciary and the Supreme Court, because clearly now we are seeing the outcomes of how what that means um, for the history of this country when it comes to precedent and when it comes to issues that will, may not necessarily make it to the Supreme Court, because we often don't hear about those cases, but they often make it to the appellate court and the U.S. district courts first. And those, of course, decisions have also considerable measures um, for for the laws in this country. Talking with Rodriguez uh, Driscoll, of course, uh, here on the Bassey News Radio Show on the Bassey News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. Um, you know, Doc, when you, you, you touched on a place I've been saying since this man occupied the White House, which is the focus, certainly you don't want this, this narcissist racist man in office and, and doing what he's doing. Nobody, I've never ever said that. Um, but it, I don't think we focus enough and put enough energies into trying to win the Senate because at the end of the day, whether he wins or not, if Mr. Magoo is still the majority leader, that we won't get anything done. I mean, sure, if you got a President Biden, but you have, you have a President Biden, but then you have still Mr. McGool running on the Republican side, then it 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 you know we're we're back to square one, and and the danger you can speak to again of this, the danger is not just women's rights, but civil rights, the the Affordable Health Care Act, all of these right. things that you know criminal criminal I can't even call call it justice because we get no justice, the criminal system, all of these things. We'll be rolled back and then some. We'll be looking at, I mean, this is not a, a, a stretch. We'll be looking at, you know, pre-civil rights stuff, you know, affordable right. housing and things, you know, you know, all of those things. So talk about how, how dangerous this is and why the focus should always be or should be, in this case, on winning the Senate. Right. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and if you're referring to Mr. Magoo, um, to Mitch McConnell, McConnell. <laughs> then you're right. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Senator McConnell is the real problem here. And, and, and quite, you know, and he is, and I probably shouldn't say this given my role, but I would just go ahead and say it. He is a diabolical mastermind. Um, but he is the, the real problem here. And, you know, frankly, he is up for re-election right now in the state of Kentucky. Um against, um, I forget her name, I think her first name is Amy, but if he is not vulnerable... Amy McGrath. Mm-hmm. Right, thank you, Amy McGrath. If he is not vulnerable right now against Amy McGrath, and, and if the 
DNC and the DCCC are not doing everything within their power to galvanize the suburban women in Kentucky, if they're not doing everything to galvanize their base in Kentucky, and if he does not lose, quite frankly, in November, I am not sure Mitch McConnell will will ever be able to um, get out of the Senate. Um, so I think we need to be to be very clear on that, and they need to put the focus on those very vulnerable Republicans across the country who are up right now in the U.S. Senate. Uh, I think I, I heard this on in late night news, but what really at this present point needs to be the strategy is to galvanize suburban women. Um, and the reason why I mentioned, of course, reproductive rights, but to your point, the Affordable Care Act and, and civil rights are also um, on the chopping block, potentially if they come before the, the, the court's um, that they need to really – Democrats need to really hammer in on those issues and galvanize their base. And quite frankly, and, 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 you know, fear is a tactic often used in politics and, and scare the living daylights out of their base and, and <laughs> the reasons why they need to put pressure on those vulnerable senators um, across – those vulnerable Republican senators across the country. Because this, this election is really going to determine the future, I believe, of our country, and we currently also are, are seeing a potential constitutional crisis on our hands. And so the Republicans make no mistake. Trump and McConnell knew exactly what they were doing when they nominated Amy Barrett uh, as a justice. I mean she is a part of the, the Federalist Society which has been lavishly funded by business interests. Um, of course, with Robert Bork and Antonin Scalia, uh, two law professors who are staunch conservatives and, and strict interpretationalists when it comes to the Constitution. Um, they are, of course, happy to accommodate their anti-abortion base. Uh, but rest assured that this is a part of an going well-funded Federalist society structured that went back when the days of law school. And the Republicans, again, have been masterminds at ensuring that, again, the federal judiciary, but their organizations and institutions, right? The Heritage Foundation comes to mind, that are dedicated and devoted to conservative political theory, uh, conservative political thought, and that. There is and has been a wave of obstructionists, the conservatives, to come through every branch of the government. And I think it's high time that the Democrats take note, and quite frankly, if they want to win, which is what politics is about, is that they're going to need to implement some of those same strategies and build some of those same institutions and have some of the same lavishly funded uh, programs to ensure that their policies and procedures, which statistically and academically we know benefit brown and black people by and large, by and large, not always the case, but by and large, uh, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have, they're definitely going to have to do that. And like I said, to, to your point, it, it goes back to um, the importance of what, you know, historically, why. Do uh, Democrats and progressives, if you you will, uh, 
have not really looked at the judicial. It, it, it I think is very is somewhat not just confusing, but sort of insulting to black people, considering we've been sort of the on the the, the wrong end of the justice system. And you know, and 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 if that's part of it, whether it's the the lower courts or the highest court in the land, that's a big part of uh, and of the concern we should have. Um, when it comes to the courts, why why haven't historically on this side we've been, you know, paying attention to that? And and, and by the way, um, you know, Minority Leader Schumer uh, has, in, in, in according to my research and, and understanding and and looking it up, has compromised quite a bit with McConnell with a lot of the lower court uh, nominees that Trump has put forth. I mean. Yeah. Just okay, yeah, you know, and and uh, and a lot of the other ones, um, you know, uh, Joe Manchin in West West Virginia just admitted I, I voted for seventy some percent of his lower court appointed judges, and, and that's just ridiculous. Right. right. Well, so to to answer your question, why Democrats have not traditionally focused on the federal judiciary, and the the answer, quite simply, is I believe. It doesn't and has not appealed to the base of the Democratic Party. <clears throat> Democrats tend to to focus on a, a lot of the soft civil liberties, civil rights, social justice issues, and, and that typically tends to appeal to the base of the party more. I mean, quite frankly, you have city dwellers, more urban residents tend to be Democrats. We know that women, by and large, tend to be Democrats. We know that black and brown people and other people of color tend to be Democrats. And so when you're talking about issues that appeal to those demographics, you know, the federal judiciary historically and traditionally has never been high on the radar in terms of an issue that they care about. And that's why I said earlier I think it's high time for Democrats to – quite frankly, start focusing on the issue of the federal judiciary because we clearly see that it has implications. I mean, when we think about Ginsburg's career, right, her replacement parallels to that of Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall and Ruth Bader Ginsburg both became famous in legal circles as pioneering advocates long before they were justices on the Supreme Court, of course. We know that. Um, and in, in Ginsburg's death, which is one thing that Ginsburg and Marshall both have in common, we know Thurgood Marshall, of course, being the nation's first black justice, was replaced with an ideological mirror image who, quite frankly, ended up undoing everything that he fought for in his career. Of course, I'm talking about Clarence Thomas, who replaced Justice Clarence Marshall Thomas. in 1991. Right. And so now you have yeah. – Amy Barrett, who will be replacing uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so these, those two examples alone, I think, are perfect examples of what the Democrats need to show, educate their base about, and highlight of why the federal judiciary, at the very least the Supreme Court, is so vitally important. Part of this is hey, about uh, Uncle, uh, Right. Uncle Clarence Thomas, it, it's, he, he's so hypocritical. Uh, because he is a uh, a product 
of affirmative action, yet he likes to abolish it. It's just it's just really sickening. Uh, I want to get to, and if, if folks, if you're just joining us, we're talking with uh, Dr. Quadrigo's Driscoll, a junk professor uh, at the Graduate School of Professional Management uh, here on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I, I did get some comments. I want to read these to you and get your thoughts, uh, Doc. Uh, one person said, all politics in America and even COVID boiled down to this single equation, those who want the government to take care of them versus the people who want to take care of themselves. Polar opposites don't uh, doesn't leave room for compromise. Um, they mentioned that Amy Barrett is a conservative Catholic. I don't even think she's serving on the bench uh, uh, for, for a year at that. And, um, and they mentioned when confirmed, it'll be a six to three. Um, Supreme Court, of course, we mentioned that earlier. But your thoughts on some of the things that were said, sir? Well, I, I definitely think to, to comment with regard how, in a very simplistic way, people view the government and individual responsibility. And I have long argued, look, I used to be a former Republican, so I certainly understand individual responsibility. I certainly understand personal responsibility, but also part of collective as well as personal responsibility is ensuring that yourself and your family is taken care of as well as everybody else, right? Which is why initially I think I gravitated to the Republican Party. So it's not necessarily about making sure that myself and my family is okay, but it's also making sure that myself, my family, and the community around me is okay, right? And being mindful of this this idiom that we've often used, not everybody has – the same length of boot straps or for that matter not everybody has boots or boot straps thank you and so what then does that mean so yes i may have boots and i may have boot straps but part of my job is to also ensure that everybody else has the same equal length of straps that they're able to tie their shoes with and and so yes to that comment it does boil down to personal and governmental responsibility, I don't think, and part of the problem, and I would argue, is our two-party system. That's another conversation for another time, but, um, you know, we, there needs to be a balance in all things. Everything can't be government-ran, government-controlled, government-operated. Certainly don't agree with that, but we can't allow complete deregulation in terms of market, in terms of businesses either, nor can we put extra responsibility on individual citizens to take up a great deal of slack because there are those within our midst who don't have. And so that's where government steps in. And there has to be a balance between the ideological spectrums of personal responsibility and government intervention. I would argue in the early 90s, we had some of that, right? You, you, we've always had Republicans and Democrats. We, we know that. But we've had – there was at least some level of compromise. There was at least some level of willing to get things done on behalf of the commonwealth, the greater good. I don't think, even though I'm slightly on the younger scale of things, I don't think that we have seen this level in our government of – divisiveness and quite frankly just mean-spiritedness if I could use that term 
uh, and our politics, mm. particularly at the, at the national level that we, we have seen before. I mean, even when it came to contentious issues of civil rights in the 50s and the 60s, there was at least people on both sides who were willing to compromise and who were willing to, to give up something. Lyndon Baines Johnson comes to mind, right? I, we, we don't really see that nowadays, and I think that's gravely unfortunate, and people are, are suffering as a result of it. Yeah. You know, a couple of things, and uh, we're, we're getting short on time, but I, I just want to make two quick comments and ask you about the, the, the debate. Uh, first, I heard um, a Republican on, on another show, and I know him, and he's, he, he talked about how he was talking about how, you know, the have and have nots, and he, he was talking about this personal responsibility and how his 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 grand his great grandfather came to this country and pulled himself out by that proverbial bootstrap and made it. And my argument is we were pulled here. This, this is not an mm-hmm. equal thing. Your great great grand homeboy came here on his own, you know, his own will. Right. We 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 weren't uh, afforded that type of luxury. So the difference is there. That's a mute point. And the guy's from Utah. And how many blacks in Utah, to be honest about? But you know. And then the other point is that you know, um, you know, Republicans, those who want you know conservative courts, you know, they want to get rid of Roe versus Wade. I'm not getting into the abortion debate, but they want to save these babies, but they want to take away the programs for, for people to help the babies. You can't have it both ways. If you right. want to keep the babies, Absolutely. you got to have the, the program to be able to help raise the babies and, and feed and take care of them. But they, they don't right. think about that. They think about, you know, abortion. Um, so it's just, it's really, it's really a, a system. And I agree with you. We need a two, uh, more than two parties in this system, but the money is so deep, you know, they'll cut whoever the independent or who, whatever, uh, 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 you know, party that you come up with or you're affiliated with, they'll cut you at the knees, Democrats and Republicans. Right. They don't want anything but the two party system. Uh, uh, speaking of that final question to you, you can comment on what I said, but final question to you is this debate that'll be taking place between the guy occupying the White House and Joe Biden. And, and you know, some people I know, I heard Nancy Pelosi said, don't even waste your time. This guy is a whatever. Um, and some people said, yeah, Biden needs to go after him hard. What do you see happening in this debate? Because Trump needs a crowd. He's like these football players. Some of them need a crowd, and there's no crowd. He needs the crowd. No crowd there. How do you think it's gonna uh, uh, this thing's gonna go, and what do you think Biden needs to do? I guess to quote unquote, kind of win it, if you will. Well, well, listen, I I think that this debate on tomorrow night is quite frankly is going to be entertaining. Um, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't say <laughs> that, but I, I I think at this point we all could use some humor, and it, and and it's it's the humor is going to be at, at the expense of the American people, right? Because we know. That uh, this is no laughing matter, given all that we is going on in our country. But Trump says some foolish, asinine things, and so I think we can uh, expect some level of humor. Because I, I recall, I'm going to be academic for a moment. Uh, Kierkegaard said that sometimes the best thing to do is just to laugh at the absurdity. Right? We know Trump with his right. racist tropes and his misinformation and his lack of facts. So sometimes all we can do is just laugh. That aside, 
I think what's going to be really effective for Biden, Biden does not need to sort of fact check everything that Trump says. I mean, this is simply not going to work, not going to appeal to his base. What Trump, excuse me, what Biden needs to exercise in the debates tomorrow is humor. He needs to ridicule Trump at every given point because I think that is what is going to make Trump look small. I think that's what's going to make Trump look weak. So when it comes to which is going to come up, of course, the pandemic and the economic downturn, uh, and when Trump says that he's done such an excellent job at it, I think in response, Biden should smile and say with a bit of laughter, uh, you know, where have you been living? South Korea? Uh, because you can't be living in the United States except maybe on the golf course. If he says something mm. to that effect, it's going to make Trump look stupid because we all know, of course, given COVID and given the economic downturn that we have seen, um, that's not the case, right? So it, it's going to do Biden a disservice if he tries to continuously try to fact check everything Trump says, because, of course, we already know that everything Trump says has been exceptional, and he has done a great job at it. And so what Biden needs to come back and how he needs to retort is with complete mockery and with ridicule, and that, I think, will help Biden not only win the debates, but most important, win the election, particularly amongst suburban and moderate and independent voters. Yeah, I hope so, and and I hope they pounce on this whole tax thing that just broke about Trump and not paid taxes. I think for ten or fifteen years or something like that. I hadn't really read all of it, but Absolutely. you know, but anything again, that can. Go ahead. But again, LA, I think that um, you know the the continuously going after the facts, going after the facts. I mean, unfortunately, in this country, we have a group of people who don't believe in facts. Anybody can just make up their own facts nowadays, right? Everybody's opinion can be a fact. So I don't think it's going to be really effective for buying or Senator Harris when the vice presidential debate comes up for them to just continuously go at and attack the facts. What's, you're going to have Makes to make sense. your opponent, in this case, look small. And the only way to make Donald Trump look small is to ridicule him. Again, it goes yeah. back to our and you know, earlier. Go low. Yeah, and you know he... <laughs> He, that's right. I, I, you, you had. I was talking to somebody earlier uh, the other day and said, you know what? With all due respect to Michelle, no, we don't need to go high. We need to go low, and then we can come back high afterwards. After we get it, then you win the election, and win these uh, these elections in the House and Senate, the presidency. Then you can come back up high. But for right now, we need to go low. Um, I definitely Absolutely. agree with you. Uh, Doc, as always, I have you. I appreciate you coming on. You be well, and I will get you on uh, hopefully next week. We'll talk some more politics, sir. Thank you so much. You take care. Good, good be with you. Absolutely. Be well. And Dr. Quadricus uh, Driscoll, he's an adjunct professor at the Graduate School of Professional Management. Check him out. Just Google him. All this information is there. Uh, very enlightening um, and very uh, intelligent young man. Um, we're going to take a 30-second break, come back and get my next guest on the air. This is the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and our sister station, WCOM, in Carbrill, Chapel Hill.
Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. to the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Carborough, Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. We thank you um, for joining us. As always, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us, press 1 to get on the line. You have questions, comments, you can make sure you hit us up there. I want to go to my next guest. Uh, good to have him on um, very disturbing situation. He is a um, criminal defense and civil rights uh, uh, attorney, among other things, a person, Lynn Law Office. Uh, serious situation that happened to him. I'll let him explain it. He is uh, Jason Pearson, a uh, person, uh, Lynn. Uh, and Counselor, I appreciate you coming on this evening. I know you're short for time, but I wanted to make sure we got you on. Thanks for coming on this evening. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. So I want to get into it. I I I hope when we emailed out to our our listeners and and viewers, uh, we sent out the video link that we had, which showed everything. And I actually have the audio. I probably will play it. I was going to play it before, but I know you're short on time, so we're going to do it. We'll do it afterwards. Well, but you had an incident. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's a unique situation. We don't know how much time we have because uh, I'm awaiting the jury's deliberation, awaiting the verdict. Um, they've been deliberating now for just over two hours. Uh, the whole thing lasted two and a half minutes, but they could come back at any time or tomorrow. So we, we could okay. have the whole session. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, when you got to go, you got to go. I understand you, you still got to take care of your business. So, Explain to everyone what happened. You are a black attorney outside of yeah. Calif- uh, Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken, in California. Uh, and you yeah. went to the court to check in with the clerk, which is a normal situation, even in North Carolina. Same thing. You see the attorneys checking with the clerk, letting them know you're there so you can do your case. But explain what happened. I know it. I saw it. But explain to the audience what happened to you. All right. I'm trying to be as brief as possible. Um, and sure. just for clarification, my name is Jaye Person Lynn, uh, and I'm my, uh, my, oh, no no problem. It's, it's not typical. So the San Bernardino Courthouse is 70 miles east of where my office is in Culver City and where my house is in Los Angeles. Uh, so it was a day where I did not have a court appearance, so I was not dressed in formal clothing on days where attorneys do not expect to go to court, especially those of us who run our own practice, we're in much more casual attire. Now, me, I grew up a Pan-Africanist, so I wear a lot of African print, and if it's not African print, it's still oftentimes a black-owned designer. 
uh, like now the mask I have on in court is a uh, African print mask, and the tie I have on is from a black designer out of Miami, verse 9. And that's just how I dress. Um, and so you see me in a dashiki or a shirt with dashiki print is equivalent to someone else in a polo shirt. Uh, so that's just me and how I was dressed. So I had on some, uh, it was like camouflage shoes, like moccasin types, some red slacks, and then a shirt that had, it was white at the top chest area, and then it had multicolored dashiki print, red, green, yellow, uh, on the rest of the shirt. And so I, before I went out there, because I was going out to San Bernardino to pick up discovery from the district attorney, meet with my client, go to the scene, and also try and change this court date that the court had set without my approval that ended up being a bad day for me. And it was set at the initial arraignment, which obviously I couldn't schedule because I didn't know my client was even going to get arrested. Um, so uh, I go, I call up there, they say, for that request, you need to go to the clerk's office. So now, you know, it's, it's, I'm really not going inside of a courtroom. Um, so I go to the clerk's office, uh, go through the process to go to the attorney window. They tell me I need to go speak with the clerk in the courtroom. So I walk into the courtroom. Uh, the middle aisle is down the center of the courtroom. I go to my right. Yes, I, I pass the bar which, you know, attorneys are allowed to pass the bar in a courtroom. The court was not in session, meaning the judge was not on the bench. So as I get to the clerk's desk, uh, as I'm walking up, I get a phone call. I answer it. A deputy, a custody deputy, whose job it is to take inmates to and from lock up to court and remand people, arrest them when the judge decides they need to be locked up from walking in from outside. So that's his job. So he walks up to me and says, uh, do we know you? I say, no, you don't know me, but I'm here to talk to the clerk about one of my cases. And he points to the audience area of the courtroom saying, well, you need to do it back there. And I say, why? And he says, because you're not an attorney. Uh, then I say, well, I am an attorney, and I'm here to speak to the clerk about one of my cases. Uh, so then he directs me to the bailiff. He says, well, you need to check in with her. So I turn around, and I go to the bailiff's desk. Uh, that lasted about 10 seconds. I then, when I go to the bailiff's desk, before I say anything, the bailiff, a black woman, says, sir, you see that bar? Only attorneys can pass that bar. So I tell her, I am an attorney. The clerk told me to come up here, so I'm trying to talk to the, to the clerk. Uh, and I pull out my wallet so I can pull out my bar card because obviously they're not listening to me. That conversation lasted about another 10 seconds and before I could pull my bar card out the first deputy a white dude deputy Paul Berry grabs me and pushes me to the audience area of the courtroom now, I had never been assaulted in court before uh, so I was very much taken aback by that assault that uh, deputy Berry did um, so after he does that, I try and walk to his right to go around him. He gets in front of me, puts his hand on my chest. I move my hand up, and the DA is arguing I, I smacked his hand away. But it's like I, mo I moved my hand up. He moved his hand down. Uh, so it looks like I moved his hand. But if I had a smacked his hand away, he would have responded, you know, in kind with violence. Um, so the other – the bailiff now comes around and says, sir, if you don't have – a case in court today, then you need to go to the clerk's office. I explained to her I already went to the clerk's office. 
Uh, they told me to come here, so now I'm here to talk to the clerk. And she says, about what? I say, look, I am an attorney. I am an officer of the court. I'm here to speak to the clerk. They ask about which case. I say, none I need to speak to you about because uh, obviously this time I'm upset. I don't want to talk to you. Plus, this is an administrative issue, and you guys handle security, so you're not the right people for me to talk to. Uh, she ultimately says I have to talk to her, shows me a sign that says, please don't approach the clerk, check in with the bailiff. Now, that sign is for defendants. It's not for the attorneys, uh, but the sign is there. So, And the whole time in their mind, they think I'm a defendant because I don't have a suit on. And they never asked me for a bar card, a uh, business card, or anything else to prove myself to, to what I'm saying is true. They just disbelieve me to the degree that it couldn't possibly be true. So she ultimately tells me I need to go outside, ask why, she says, because I'm not listening, and tells me I need to talk to her to talk to the clerk. And so I tell her, well, let the clerk know I'm I'm here to speak with her. And then she pushes me to go outside. So I back up when she pushes me, turn around, walk out, and tell them, um, you know, you have, you guys are going to have a problem. Uh, and then we get to the vestibule area, the small area between the hallway and the courtroom. And now the doors to the court were open when I walked through and when I walked out. But Deputy Barry, unbeknownst to me at the time, had taken out his taser and hid it behind his back. So when I'm turning to walk out, I don't know he has his taser behind his back. And then when we get into the vestibule, he closes the door so the camera in the courtroom can't catch anything. So we get inside the vestibule. Luckily, he had his voice recorder on. And I'm standing about six to eight feet directly in front of Deputy Sutton, the black woman. Deputy Barry's about three to four feet to her right and behind her, leaning up against the wall. Uh, so I give Deputy Sutton my case number. Uh, the case number of the case I was there working on. And after that, and I don't know what the FCC rules are for you, so I'll give it the edited version. But I, I tell them, I love well, Deputy Barry. You can give the, you can give the, the, huh. the, the raw version if you want. I, we've okay. heard it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I look at Deputy Barry, and I say, you fucked up. You fucked up when you put your hands on me, and I promise you I'm going to come after you with everything I have and everything I learned in law school. And before I said the last part, I leaned over and looked at his name tag. First I said Barbie, and then I said Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, spelled it out. And then that's when I said, I'm a, I promise you, I'm going to come after you with everything I have and everything I learned in law school. And I'm still standing at least eight feet from Deputy Barry at this time. My hands are to my side, my cell phone's in my left hand, my wallet's in my right hand. And now at this point, after I say law school, I'm looking back at Deputy Sutton, who's looking down at her clipboard writing something. Then I hear the pop. And I'm, at first I think it's a cap gun. I'm like, oh, I'm capping off at the mouth. He shot a cap gun. That was kind of slick. But then I look over. He rushed me and tackled me. And then he tackled me, and that's when I feel the electric shot. And that's when I realize he just shot me with a taser. Uh, then he tackles me. You know, I drop my wallet and phone and everything. They handcuffed me super tight. My wrists were hurting for months and I had scars for weeks. Um, and then they arrest me, uh, cite me for Penal Code Section 148A1, which is resisting, delaying, or obstructing an officer in the performance of their duty. Uh, and then they, you know, they cite, give me the citation, I sign it, 
but that's not good enough. They need to embarrass me some more. So instead of just letting me go after signing the citation, they take me up the street to the county jail to book me and process me in the county jail just to release me. Um, and so then I walk back to the courthouse, get my car, and, you know, going about life. Now, that was January 10th, 2019. And today, oh. here, September 28th, 2020, I'm in trial actually waiting for the um, jury to deliberate and it looks like they just took a break um, so we'll likely make our uh, our time either that or they have a verdict um, so uh, I, I say that to say um, you know we're, we're here uh, they have a verdict? Okay. All right. Thank you. So yeah, the, the jurors are on the break, so we'll we'll make our our time. So um, yeah, and throughout the pendency of this case, I've um, we filed a motion to suppress the evidence, uh, and that was um, you know, the judge ruled that I wasn't seized until I was tased. And since they aren't charging me with anything after I was tased, uh, that they don't need to suppress anything. And in that same motion, we also petitioned the court to dismiss the case in the interest of justice because there's a case mm. here, uh, People v. Kyorga, and that case says um, that it surely cannot be supposed that Penal Code Section 148, the section I'm charged with, criminalizes a person's failure to respond with alacrity to police orders. And alacrity means cheerful and immediate. Then it goes on to say, moreover, the appellant possesses the right under the First Amendment to dispute an officer's actions. The First Amendment protects a significant amount of verbal criticism and challenge directed at police officers. Indeed, the freedom of individuals verbally to oppose or challenge police action without thereby risking arrest is one of the principal characteristics by which we distinguish a free nation from a police state. And while the police may resent having abusive language directed at them, they may not exercise the awesome power at their disposal to punish individuals for conduct that is not merely lawful, but protected by the First Amendment. So based on that case law, based on this entire thing that lasted from the time I walked into the courtroom to the time I was tased, under two and a half minutes. Um, based on that, and me not saying any threats of violence or threats of criminal acts, it should have been dismissed because it was well within my First Amendment right to tell the cop he fucked up. Uh, the, the song, this was 2019, and the song Fuck the Police came out in 1988, and that wasn't criminal. Um, but the issue is he shot me with a taser. And so whenever a deputy deploys his taser, it needs to be justified or it uh, opens up the county to civil liability. And so what they're doing, what the county is doing through this prosecution is um, uh, using all of the power of the county and state government to try and prosecute me just to protect this officer uh, from you know, civil liability, and when really it should be criminal liability. He shot me with a taser. People have died from being shot with tasers, and he did that just because he didn't like the words I was saying to him. The cold thing about mm. it, his partner, Deputy Sutton, 
she testified there was no reason for me to be arrested. There was no reason for me to be tased. And they, they're never trained to put the taser behind their back the way that Deputy Barry did. So what we have, and this is how systematic racism works, you have a black cop yeah. and a black attorney both saying, I did nothing to be arrested and I did nothing to be tased. But this one white cop, the entire system, the Board of Supervisors, when they denied my claim against the county, said that it was okay for him to do that. It was justified tasing. The the uh, Sheriff's Department, they said it was okay for him to do that. It was justified. The District Attorney's Office, they said it was justified because they are actually prosecuting with me. And now the judiciary, the fact that this case got to the jury – and and the the things that they're saying um, uh, that that this got to a jury, the judge allowed them to list nine different acts out. And the thing about those nine acts, four of those acts are listed against uh, Deputy Sutton, and I'm only charged with delaying or obstructing Deputy Barry. And so, uh, when you look at that fact, um, when you look at those nine, the first one. It says, defendant ignored three commands given by Deputy Barry to check in with the bailiff. Now, that's crazy because that conversation only lasted 10 seconds. And the first time he told me to check in with the bailiff, I turned around and walked to the bailiff. But number two is that the defendant ignores com- ignored commands from Deputy Barry to move to an area beyond the bar. Now, what's unique about uh, that particular scenario is that those two acts were in the same 10 seconds. So what they're saying is, since I went to the bailiff and didn't go beyond the bar, that that could be a crime. Or if I would have went beyond the bar and didn't go to the bailiff, then that can be a crime. So the way the judge is allowing this to be set up is that they, she's trying to get a jury opportunity to arrest me at any time for any reason, uh, I mean to convict me. Now, the third one – Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was good, Counselor. I I just wanted to, uh, and you can finish. Um, you you said uh, a lot, and it's profound, and there's a lot of people uh, listening now. A couple of quick things so we can clear up. Um, you you uh, have a card that shows you with the bar, but you're also talking about bar in terms of you can't come in a certain section of the court. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, okay. I want to make sure that's yeah, right. It's, it's and a, then it's you're a not space in the court, yeah. Okay. And and you're not talking about your case now in their break. You're talking about a case you're working on as an attorney today cuz I know you're yeah. 3 hours different. So it's okay. I want to make sure is that. You know, uh, the one thing I, I want to say and I I'm getting a lot of emails and stuff. Uh it, it, a lot of people and I agree what you've gone through, and I want to make sure that we get the prosecutor's information because we want to call and push forth and anything we need to do because this is some bullshit, right? But, um, the, you know, the one thing you went through, right, like the civilians go through um, have been you, – you just described a lot of what civilians have gone through um, going to court. They're telling you to go to this place and go to this place and this place. You come in. They they look like they're trigger happy. They don't want you there. You're a criminal, you know. And the bottom line is, yeah, you didn't. You had African garb or whatever. The bottom line is, it seems as though counselor that, you know, you black and you're not wearing a suit, um, 
it, it was was the start. And I heard what one of the things I don't know who said it, but I heard when you said you wanted to see the the um, the clerk, and and they were going back and forth with you. That I believe it's that that deputy sheriff Bailey who said, "Well, this is not the social hour for clerks." Had yeah. you said that, and had anybody else said that, that they would have, you know, he would have got all huffy and puffy, and he did because you represent, you are a fucking, excuse me, like, like you are attorney, right? So yeah. you yeah. shouldn't have I'm been treated sure. like that. You yeah. said it several times yeah. <laughs> that you're an attorney. Yeah. yeah, and I use that term, officer of the court, specifically to put them on notice. Like, okay, the common person. Uh, the the lay per, legal laypersons don't even really know that attorneys are officers of the court, so I use that terminology to put them on notice. Hey, I, this I'm really who I say I am, and that's what people need to understand about this is that it was so far out of their reality that a young black man in African print clothing could actually be an attorney. If they thought it was possible, they would have asked for a bar card or a business card or he wouldn't have pushed me. But he did not think it was possible. And because and he was wrong. And the thing is everyone agrees that attorneys have the right to be in the part of the courtroom I was in, but the DA spent their whole closing argument arguing that it was a safety issue and they needed to get me back. But I'm actually an attorney. I can actually be there. And that's what I'm actually dealing with. That's why this case is so messed up. And that's why this is a real kangaroo court, meaning that they're not following the rules. The judge allowed, uh, like Deputy Sutton, um, when when the court clerk, Deputy Sutton testified, the court clerk sets the rules of the court. And when she interviewed her and asked her why that sign was up, the court clerk said it was for the defendant. Now, the judge allowed Deputy Sutton to testify that it was her opinion. That's hearsay. It's, it's, you're not an expert. It's not relevant what you think, whether she misspoke or not. And when my attorneys objected, the judge allowed it. But when I was testifying, which I should have never had to testify because the prosecution never proved their case to the slightest bit, um, but when I was testifying and I was looking to explain things, the judge stopped me at least a dozen times telling me that I couldn't testify the same way she had let all of the prosecution witnesses testify. So everything she's doing, this, this judge, Mary Fuller, is is to actually try and get me prosecuted. And the unique thing about this is we were supposed to start trial August 4th. They called us, told us, don't come, come on the 11th. We come on the 11th, they say, come back on the 17th. Come back on the 17th, they say, come back on the 21st, then the 23rd, uh, then like the 30th. And um, then we ultimately started, uh, uh, we, we came back like six or seven times. And then uh, last week or the week before last, we were supposed to start. And they said, no. Uh, we got sent to a judge, and that judge recused himself but didn't give any reason why he recused himself. So it seems like the whole system just converged on me, and they're changing the rules. They're changing the goalposts uh, just for me. Like if I'm a citizen and I have rights under the First Amendment to say fuck the police, to say that I'm a 
come after you with everything I learned in law school, how could I commit a crime? And what's on right. top of that, four four out of, like I said, four out of the nine uh, acts that they allege I did are against Deputy Sutton. So in theory, the jury, because the jury has to agree unanimously on each act. So in theory, a jury could convict me for delaying, uh, of, of obstructing or delaying Deputy Barry following Deputy Sutton's command. Like that's how ridiculous mm. this is. But this is what I'm actually facing. And now that the jury has been deliberating for over two hours, it's like, well, you know, they somebody in there think has has voted guilty at this point. Yeah. Is you know, uh, with, with talking with uh, Jaya, a person, Linda Squire, criminal defense attorney, you, you're here, and if you're just joining us, Taze and Court. Um, I, I have to, to ask you a couple of things to get you to comment on a couple of things. Number one, yeah. you bring up, I don't call it justice because I'm, I'm with you, bro. There's no ju- so it's the criminal, um, it's not the criminal justice system. It's the criminal system. Yeah. This is some bullshit, yeah, right? The and, and listen, you, you, right, the penal system. So they, not only they wanted to convict you when they, and when they arrest you, you sign out, right? They want to take you, they want to, like you said, ridicule you and take you to the jail, put you in the clothes and stuff like that. To, to add to it, this boy, how dare you speak up? They, the, the fact is you didn't, ask, the fact that you didn't acquiesce is, the, is part of the reason why Bailey had, had issues with you. He's sticking his chest out ready to tase you. The other part of it is, you, I mean, where do we need, how far... How freaking far do we need to be in the system to get any kind of respect? You're a freaking attorney, right? You're an officer yeah. in court, and you going through that. And then the other part of it is, too, I, I think you would understand that the fact that the, 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 the law enforcement and the prosecutors work together, white at least, right? So they no billing everything, yeah. no billing all these, yeah. these cats, these white boys. No bill in all yeah. of it. So speak to that because that's the that's a huge issue. The brothers trying to do the and right thing. They just ignoring that. But they want they want yeah, to listen to the white sheriffs and the, and Bailey and everything else. And you said no billing was. I'm not familiar with that term. Well, in terms in terms of like if it's a you know in in this climate now. You know, law enforcement killing us on the street. Prosecutors, you see in Kentucky with Breonna Taylor, they no billing these guys. They they let them go. Oh, basically, and, telling, and even in your prosecute, yeah, yeah, okay, right. Yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's clear. Yeah, and and your in your case, same thing. They they yeah. want to prosecute and, you. They gonna listen to white guy instead of everybody else. Yeah, and what's unique about that? I have I had a case where I represent a young man um, who. Uh, was in a he was in a room uh, in a classroom with a uh, teacher and in that classroom uh, 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 with the teacher the teacher like body slammed the kid or something and the TA that was in there uh, called and said uh, hey man this teacher body slammed this kid you know they're all mandatory reporters the police came arrested the teacher, uh, cited her and then came back. Um, this same DA's office that's prosecuting me 
declined to prosecute that teacher. So that's a five-year-old mm. black boy that their parents do protect, and I'm a 37-year-old black man that their parents do protect. And this cop actually, he, he claims he tased me due to self-defense, but I'm not charged with assault on an officer. I'm not charged with threatening an officer. I'm charged with obstructing or delaying an officer. So there's no way you can righteously say you were defending yourself from me obstructing. Like, it's ridiculous. And they, they even had their, their last count is that I, uh, I threatened physical violence against this officer. It's, but you hear it. I said, I'm coming after you with everything I want to do. But the judge is allowing the jury to decide on this, just hoping. And the other thing about that, out of the 24 jurors that were in the panel, none of them were black. About six of them were Asian. Now, in Rancho Cucamonga, where it is, it's 9% black and 10% Asian. So how do we get six Asian and no blacks? That's why I, it's, this is way deeper than just me. You see what I'm saying? They right. All, as we, yeah, as we've been out to lunch over here, um, we've seen black people all around Rancho Cucamonga. It's, it's all kind of black people here, but none of them seem to make my jury. And it's just... Uh, you know, it's just disheartening. But one thing, I, uh, like uh, when I post about it on social media, I'm linking Lawyer LA on Instagram. Um, a lot of people say the system is broken. And what I want them to know is that the system is working exactly the way it was meant to work. When the Declaration of Independence was drafted July 4th and signed July 4th, 1776, three out of the five men credited with writing the words, all men are created equal held slaves at the time that they wrote those words, which means at the foundation of this nation, black people, descendants of enslaved Africans in America, are less than, and that has never changed. If that wasn't enough, you had the Constitution eight years later when it was finally ratified by all the states that said we were three-fifths of a person. If that wasn't enough, uh, about 80 years later, you had the Dred Scott decision that said um, – a black man has no rights that a white man is bound to respect. So this is the actual. So this is the lineage. This is what we actually have as the foundation of this nation. And so, like when South Africa said they changed and they gave up apartheid, they got a new flag, they got a new constitution, they got a new national anthem. America, we have the same flag, same constitution, same national anthem. Since slavery, the the changes have not come. And as long as the Declaration of Independence is the founding document of this nation forever, our people will be less than. And so that's what people need to understand when they're out celebrating the 4th of July. You are celebrating your inferiority as black people. And that's what we have. And that's why the system is working exactly the way it's it's supposed to work, because if I did have rights that they say I'm supposed to have because I'm born here under the Fourth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment, if I actually had those rights, I wouldn't be facing this offense. This point blank period. But that's let that's, me, and that's let, what we're dealing with. Two, two comments, real quick, uh, Counselor. Uh, someone said uh, that how can you expect justice in a court that operates for profit? Number one. Um, and then number two, uh, when you you look at this this system as you you eloquently uh, uh, pointed out in terms of the these um, inadequacies and this injustices that 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 take place, 
um, when, when you, you, you look at that, what, what can, uh, you know, folks do uh, in, in this type of system? And then I just got an email from someone who said they saw the video. And here's where, I think this is a self-hate gene. Someone said they saw the video and, you you know, you shouldn't have acted out. You shouldn't have said what you said. You see what I'm saying? De- de- deflection. See, like, but, but that's, like that's, you, and, you're supposed see, to act they don't realize, <laughs> yeah, and with, with people that say that, they don't realize that I had already told them I was an attorney. I had already pulled out my wallet, and then I got pushed. Those same people that say that, they're, what they're saying is, of course, after I've proven I have a right to be somewhere, I'm okay with them pushing me out. That's what they're saying when mm-hmm. they say that. I'm okay with being pushed out of my space. Um, and I don't think they're okay with that. Uh, I don't think they would accept that at all. Uh, but that's what they're saying when when they say those kinds of things. And as far as justice, I mean, I don't think we can expect justice. I, I think of all the people in the world's history um, that we know their story, I, I think blacks in America, descendants of enslaved Africans in America, are most likened to the Israelites in the Bible. And the thing about that mm. is the Israelites, most people forget, before they left, they apparently got freed in Egypt, and they tried to stay and live amongst the Egyptians as equals. But Pharaoh kept messing with them. The plagues came down. Pharaoh kept messing with them. So the only thing that got uh, them to get Pharaoh off their backs was the exodus. And now that mm. I'm, I'm of the belief that that's what it takes because what we're trying to do in this country have the, defend, the the descendants of enslavers of enslavers live harmoniously and equally with the descendants of the enslaved. It has never happened in the history of the world. So what we're trying to do is unprecedented. And part of the reason it's unprecedented is because it's just too difficult to do. People don't give up power. And so I'm not sure that we can do anything in this nation to live as respected human beings. So I'm of the mindset that, you know, exodus is is likely what's necessary for us. And, you know, nobody will give Marcus Garvey any credit, right? Because he wasn't, he he believed that, you know, you don't want us here. You know, the the brother Malcolm was like, okay, we can't go to your bank. We make our own bank. You know, we do our own thing. Uh, And then when, when they, when they kill us and and our so-called leaders, uh, or leaders like a Dr. King, right? They want to kill him after he when, when he's gone, right? So Breonna Taylor, they want to say no, no violence, no violence. But they killing that's violence. But we no violence with us, right? No violence. We put our hands up at the top and we keep our hands down. Um, let me uh, and, and they still kill us. Let me just get that prosecutor information. Oh yeah, the, the the DA of San Bernardino County, his name is Jason Anderson. Uh common okay. spelling of both J A S O N A N D E R S O N. And the DA that mm-hmm. is actually prosecuting the case is a Latina woman named Jana Burrell. That's her maiden name. Her uh uh well that's her married name. Her maiden name is Jana Santiago. And um, uh, the reason, uh, and and I say that she's married to a black man. So 
So this is how you know it's your system and not the faces, because this Latino woman is uh, is is happily prosecuting a black man for exercising his First Amendment rights. Now, look, they just called me in the court. I guess the jury had a question, so I got to run in. But, uh, man, just okay. thank you for the time allowing me to express myself. Absolutely. We got to get, I'm going to get that information out on the air. And listen, you be well, be safe, and, and we're going to, we're going to be pushing this thing for you, sir. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. Take care. Uh, that was, of course, uh, if you just joined us, that uh, was uh, J.A. Person Lynn Esquire, criminal defense and civil rights attorney. Um, uh, if you have not seen the video, he was tased. He's a black attorney that went in there. He was uh, checking in so he can uh, represent a client of his, and it just escalated. Merely for the fact that he was black and he wasn't in a suit. He he, he mentioned that and some other factors that go on into it, uh, obviously. Um, but, and I, uh, Mike, I see you. I'm going to get to you, I promise you. Uh, but the, 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 the bottom line is this, folks. Just think about this. Pad Nation, think about this. He is an attorney. He is in the system, right? He's working in this. He's an officer of these courts. And he can't get just. He got tased. So imagine what we, we, we're getting in the courts, out of the courts, under the courts, and everything else. He's a black attorney working in the system in a black city, by the way, he said, right? And he still is not getting the justice and the equality and the respect, and that's what it comes down to, of just normal civilians like us. And he, he talked about how, and I'm going to go to break and get the mic. It, he talked about how he went there and everything escalated. He got tased. He, he, they told him to go to the uh, clerk's office, office, then go here and go there. He did everything they asked him to do. And there's a lot of us that are not attorneys that do the same thing. Um, and I can speak for family members and people that, that gone through that kind of thing and and being ridiculed, you know, for something simple and put in those jumpsuits. They did that to him. He's an officer of the court. Officer of the court. He's not just somebody. He works within the system. If if they if someone needed a uh, uh, a public defender, and I believe he worked in the public defender's office, or or they needed someone to represent, they can pay you know for a an uh, an attorney they get court appointed. If my my understanding, you know, then they appoint him, and it's a rotating basis. He's he works within the system, and he got tased. Wake up, black America. Stop. Stop with the self-hate genes. Listen, at this point, you're on one side. You're either on the side of right or you're on the other side. There's no middle ground. You can't sit on the sidelines in this climate. They're killing us on the street. We, we get stopped. We put our hands up. They kill us. We keep our hands down. They kill us. We give them our information. They kill us. We don't. It's... it's there's no rhyme or reason. I don't want to hear about, well, be, be, not be violent. Nobody's condoning that and saying that, this, that you know, that's the right thing. 
But I don't want to hear people saying, well, if he's just as just. They said that about Rodney King. They was beating the hell out of him. And the jury, the white jury, said, well, if he had just stopped moving, that's what they're saying about this brother. If he had just acquiesced, just say, okay, all right. I'm an officer, but I don't have any rights. I'll just walk away. That would have been fine. And in some cases, maybe not in his, the, you, you know, the black uh, folks, the Candace Owens, the Charles Barkley idiots, I'm just going all over the place with people. Uh, it, it, they say stuff that, you know, you know, the other side says, well, your own people say that. You know, they don't believe it. You know, Breonna Taylor is not the same as George Floyd because, you know, uh, her boyfriend shot. Excuses, just like the black folks are saying this guy was out of hand. Well, he shouldn't have used the F-bomb and all this other stupid shit. Makes no sense. Makes absolute no sense. These are black attorneys, man. They're not just walking in the court. And he getting tased. I mean, damn. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's stupid. It's, It's sad. Like, he getting tased. He's an attorney. So imagine what the hell we gonna go through. They gonna put us under the damn jail. We damn sure guilty. If we ain't attorneys, at least he's got representation. He knows the law. You heard it. At least he's got that on his side. But he's still facing an insurmountable criminal system. I didn't use justice. A system that doesn't care what you look like, Michael Jordan. They don't care. You still a nigger. Don't matter. Man, take a break, come back, get Mike Patton on the line on the Bachelor News Radio Show, the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM, Chapel Hill. Join Barry Barnes for Locker Talk on the Bachelor Pad Network as he presents NFL news and evaluates players Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. Do I love you? Do I lust you? Am I a sinner because I do the two? Can you let me know? Right now, please. Let me ask again. Carborough, North Carolina, 
Um, we appreciate them broadcasting this bad boy. I want to go to my guest, patiently waiting on the line, and I really do apologize to this brother, but it's always good to have him on. I, I really respect him and thank him for, for, for hanging on. Uh, of course, he is the um, he works at SportsAwakening.com, the three-point conversion, and a natural voice. He's Mike Patton. And, Mike, listen, I, I appreciate your, your patience. I don't know how much of the previous conversation you heard um, I, I know you were on the line, so you heard some, but I just think even from a sports standpoint and things, you know, people, I listen, n- neither one of us or anybody is saying go you protest and you burn this stuff down and you violence and all this stuff, but enough is enough already, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? This dude is 37. You're in that ballpark, right? So enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Young people don't know the, the bullshit we've gone, gone through, and they ain't having it. So I'm not mad at them. Young people go out and protest, do your thing, you know. And, and so enough is already. You see in Tennessee and everywhere, it's just it's ridiculous, Mike. It really is sad and ridiculous of what we got to go through. This dude was a, in a black attorney. You can't get any higher outside of being a judge in the system. And he still and we know judges going through this stuff. So it's just ridiculous. Well, hey, um, I didn't ca- get to catch all of it. No, don't know the whole entire story, but uh, yeah, from what it sounds like, uh, yeah, he was uh, attorneying while black. That was a charge. Yeah, that that that's exactly what it is. He happened. To, they want to say he had some African stuff on, and so of course, you know, not only they don't okay, he ain't got a suit on, but they ain't respected the African stuff, you know. Uh, and and that—that's the the issue. But it it really is a, a a sad system. And and listen, Mike, to that point, and I know we talking about some other stuff. To that point, I know people that are saying, like, I don't get it with LeBron. Like, I don't get it. The man has no kids out of wedlock. He married his girl, right? He 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 opened up a freaking school, right? He's doing all these different things. And some people say he's not doing enough. Some people say that he need to, as Laura Ingram, you know, the conservative said, you need to shut up and, and dribble the ball. Like, he can't win. Like, he can't win. And I, I don't get it. You know, Michael Jordan sitting back throwing money at stuff, but not speaking up. He's throwing money at it and speaking up. And they still have a well, problem the biggest, with him. Well, the biggest thing I, I think that uh, he's done over the last uh, few years is he stopped caring what other people thought about him. That's the you. biggest thing he probably could have done. Once he started doing that, then you saw more of the real LeBron come out and him to be who he really is. And the thing also I want to mention is, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, I, I, I definitely understand him not coming out and doing this, that, and the other, whatever. Uh, one thing I will say is that with other athletes and other uh, people of color in positions of power that have uh, stepped up and talked about um you know, talk about things and, you know, put money towards it and send statements and, you know, try to put action towards it, it's kind of forced him to come out and actually do a little bit more than what he probably usually would do in terms of just talking about it and actually being about it too. Right. He's done that lately. He's it. You're right. You know, Kobe died. Mm -hmm. He talked about some stuff in that, in that, that regard, but you're right. He has talked about it. Then of course he actually just did the NASCAR thing. So it's definitely about, uh, 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 money from him, um, but 
when you it, it, does LeBron push people? It, does he clown them in, in street terms? Does he clown NBA athletes and and athletes as it is um, to speak out? Do you think he because he's doing it? A lot of them are looking at him and saying, you know what, I, I need to do the same thing. Maybe embarrassing them. Well, he doesn't technically care <laughs> what what they do. He he hopes to inspire. No, but people, I mean, but... what I'm saying is that if he does it, I'm saying if he does it, it does that put pressure on others to 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 do the same thing. Uh, I don't think he does it intentionally, but it, it does because uh, people see him in his stature. They could could essentially be you know sitting on the sideline, not saying anything, stepping up. It's gonna internally push them to one step up and do more. One other question, and again, I think you kind of feel the same way about Barkley and and Barkley and Shaq has said, and and there are the the they're they're the other side as far as I'm concerned. People don't people can disagree, and, and I really mm-hmm. was really offended by TNT when they they played LeBron's um uh showed LeBron's tweet and some other stuff, and then they come back with Barkley and Shaq is like, oh okay, you know, uh, Brianna Taylor's different, and here's why. We'll get into that. Um, it, it's you know. <clears throat> What do you do with folks like that? Because essentially, Barkley said, "Listen, the, the 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 boyfriend shot, so it's not the same as George Floyd. Yes, it is. Because I mean, if he wants to be stupid enough to say it, yeah, she got shot in her bed. But essentially, it is. She got killed by the cops. Like, what what's the difference? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, the thing to me is uh, the, the overriding thing to me." When watching them too, or I didn't really get to, I, I, I missed them actually talking about this. But um, the one thing I think about both of them, both of them need to actually do their research before they just jump up and say something. Because a lot of times, Barkley right. and Shaq don't do any of their research; they just talk about it. And then, you know, when you get, when you get back into a corner and somebody's talking about you, either they don't say anything or they come out and say something. I would like for them to actually do the research first. And then say something as opposed to running with this person or that person says. That would actually make them sound a little better if they actually did that. Instead of just running with yeah, something. But as usual, sometimes they run with something. And then Kenny's the one that sounds like the educated one on the set. Kenny and Ernie always, always. sound like the educated ones on the set. Always do. They always yeah, do. You're, you're right. Yeah, and, and, and Kenny's shown more respect to the brothers than Barkley and Shaq. You know, but, you know, this this is, a, you know, we, we I, uh, I will say, I get on Barkley a lot, but we need, I need to get on Shaq more. People need to get on Shaq more. You know, he, he is a Papa John's owner. The, the same owner who was kicked off his board because he was a Trump supporter and saying all this different stuff, you know, uh, a, a, along with uh, um, John Elway and, and Peyton Manning, all Trump supporters. Shaq, so Shaq needs to go sit goes- Shaq kind of, Shaq kind of confuses me. He really does. He uh, yeah. He ends up he'll uh, he'll do something, say something like he said, and then he'll uh, give money to uh, HBCUs and black people. And I'm like, okay, now I'm confused. I'm like, which one are you, man? You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are you? What, what what's going on? You know, it's kind of confusing with Shaq. That's what kind of confuses me about him because some sometimes he'll step up and he'll do this, that, and the other, and. And you know, like wow, okay then. Then the next minute, 
he'll you'll be like, okay, what was that, Shaq? What was that? You know, it's just confusing. Right. It's really, really confusing. Yeah, and I'm that, like, Shaq, you know, you know, put your put your core principles out there and stand with your core principles. You know, quit and, jumping and, back and forth you know, doing this and other. But at the at the end of the day, I mean, I think we we both agree they're gonna protect that money. So they, it, it, Shaq is only gonna go so far because he's gonna protect that money and that brand because he won't make that money, um, you know. Um, but I, I, I digress, Mike. You know, just on on the court in in the situation of um, Tennessee State. So we have situations where I've saw on NCAA a lot of these uh, power conferences are not only following the football in terms of basketball, but they already had in their mind that they're going to play close to uh, as much as they can to the fall, maybe early uh, uh, next year. So so talk about your article with them and, and the basketball team because – um, I always get struck uh, about the fact that uh, you you talked about, and it, I think it's a great point, you talked about um, a couple of areas where if Tennessee State had a an emergency, if you will, that they have hospitals around. So, But, but talk about their decisions as a, a basketball program and, and with the school and the athletic director and the president um, in terms of what they're going to do with the basketball? Well, essentially right now they're waiting on protocols to come out, but, uh, you know, basketball is going to start November uh, 25th. Uh, gonna be, there's going to be a conference schedule. Um, you know, right now they're, I don't know if they've already settled on non-conference games or not, but I know there's definitely going to be a conference schedule that starts uh, December 30th. Uh, they're trying to settle on how many times they're going to test in a conference, which I think is going to be three, three a week, which is a lot. So in that instance, instance, I'm sorry, it's going to be interesting to see what the OBC does because, you know, the OBC isn't necessarily the richest conference in the country. So can they afford to do this? Why are they, they, why are they, why are they pushing this? If they're not the richest in the country, why are they pushing this by de- December? And why is Tennessee not well, objecting to this? Tennessee State. I'll say this. It's a, a couple different things. Um, you have uh, the aspect of, you know, the health of players. They, they, you want them to be tested. You want those things to happen. And you're going to keep fans out of there, essentially. That's what's essentially going to happen. There's going to be fans and limited media at, at the games to start. Um, you know, as far as monitoring everything, you know, it's it's kind of like a lose lose situation in terms of everything. You have people that are trying to play and want to play, but then you also have uh, the health concerns as well. So, you know, and losing money that that's probably the biggest thing that probably is, is overshadowing a lot of this in terms of just not only with uh, the OVC, but other conferences and college basketball, college sports in, in general. That's probably why a lot of conferences are trying to play these six conference games or these seven conference games because they're trying to get to a bowl game and trying to recoup money they lost, when essentially what they need to be talking about is how the school's budget is, is unequal because of uh, college football and uh, basically pimping on the football field and basketball courts. 
I would think it, it's really confusing to me, Mike. Make it make sense. We mm-hmm. talk with Mike Patton here on the on the show. So it to, to me it's a half glass, half full. So if you don't, if you're a smaller conference, you want to play because you need the money. But if you play and risk. something happens, God forbid, you're right. I mean, if you you take it a risk. So, so what's the, in your opinion, what's the best way to go? You want to take the risk and you have to pay all this money out, lawsuits, somebody get, got big, get sick or die or something, or you want to take, uh, take the risk because you need the money. It, which is the best way to go? Honestly, uh, oh, it's just, there's not necessarily one solid way to do it, unfortunately. Uh, that conference has to make that decision based on the data that uh, from the, the the doctors, and just based on the uh, overall decision of the university. Um, I know uh, Dr. Allen's definitely got a big decision to make, and you know it, it's going to come down to what he feels and deems best with uh, Harry Medical College, which is right down the street, and his doctor and staff at uh, Tennessee State. Um, so that'll be the biggest decision probably right there that, uh, Dr. Allen has to make coming forward. So, but you know what though, Mike, before we kind of move on mm-hmm. and, and I want people to know about the, but it, you said something that's really important. The doctors, the medical profession, the scientists, based on what they say is what, TSU really and these HBCUs really should be looking at. So if they say mm-hmm. don't play, I don't care about Tennessee and the SEC. If you're asking me about Tennessee State or whatever, if they have a personal doctor, shut it down. That's what they need to be doing. Isn't that should the, the way and the place they need to be going based on, the like you said, the, the scientists and, and all of that? Uh, I definitely hear you. I definitely understand. But then again, you also have doctors that are also saying the opposite of what other doctors are saying too. So it's a lot of uh, uh, different messages and confusion happening as well. That's the other right. aspect of this whole thing. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big freaking mess. Is is what it is. Talking Mike Patton here, um, the SportsAwakening dot com, the three point conversion, Nashville voice here on the Vast News Radio. Show and Best News Radio Network WCOM in uh, uh, Carville Chapel Hill. Mike, just uh, on the court as it relates to the NBA, we got our finals, right? So I, I had, and I think I told you last time you were on, my two sleepers were Miami and Dallas. So I got one, right? So when you look mm-hmm. at this 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 matchup, I really think, and I'm not even talking about because. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm not a Laker fan. I love LeBron. I'm not a Laker fan, so I don't really want the Lakers to win. I'm a Sixer guy. Um, but Miami can present some problems because the Lakers are very over the top on the physicality, and they rebound, and they do that, and they extend. But and my, I don't think even Miami scratched the surface of their three-point shooting. You know, they if not uh, the top, if I'm not mistaken, one of the top three three-point shooting, they haven't in the playoffs. They've been struggling. So uh, talk about the the. Let's start with Miami. What problems do Miami present for LeBron and and the crew? 
Well, uh, their spacing and their movement on the floor is one big thing. Um, you know, Miami's not a stationary team. It depends on dribble penetration to get their three-point shooters open. What they require is more movement and motion, and they're always constant in motion, even all the way up to, to Bam. And Bam can essentially run the offense through him, that, which is uh, essentially what they had when they played against the Nuggets. However, uh, Bam's a, a, a probably more athletic. Well, he is more athletic than Jokic is. But he just can't shoot as well. But, you know, the motion, I think, is the biggest thing that makes the Miami Heat offense uh, a little bit tougher to, to you know, along with the shooting, of course, a little bit tougher to defend. And then defensively, you look at the Miami Heat, they don't get cheated defensively. They're going to dig in every mm. single play and give you all they got every single play. Not every uh, team in the NBA does that. So that's a huge thing that will um, be looked at for the Lakers. Also, another thing is you can't focus on one guy offensively. Because it could be Jimmy Butler right. one night, could be Tom Hero the other night, going Dragic, Bam, uh, Duncan Robinson. It could be anybody get hot any any given night. So you have to defend everybody. There's no outs on the court. You know, just before you get to the Lakers, I, I what you know, Boston. Some people say because of their big three, they would have gave the Lakers a, a, a bigger, a, a, a more issue. Um, you know, with with Kemba and 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 the young fella from Duke, and then you know with Jalen Brown, and then Marcus Smart, you could say a big four, you know, with Tatum and all that. But you, you know, and I think talent wise, you could disagree. I think talent wise, in terms of uh, the skill set, Boston probably had a better team than Miami, but but Miami, I think it was better coached. I think the the uh, I think the overation of Boston's coach um, proved to, to, to play out. Eric, Eric Sposa learned some stuff. Remember, this is the guy that said, seize the moment. Let's just seize the moment when the big three were there. And, you know, and now they, they went. So, so, so talk about what happened. What, what went wrong with the Celtics? Well, first off, they didn't understand the zone for, for half of the series. They finally figured it out and were torching it towards the end, but it cost them a couple of games. Uh, secondly, right. I would say they um, the center position they still ne- they never figured that out because one minute it was it was Tice always it was starting, but you know in all actuality Tice doesn't need to be the starting center if they're going to win the championship. Then you had Ennis Cantor that was good on the offensive end, but gave up what he scored. Grant Williams, who's an undersized center, who was really a power forward. And then you had uh, the time lord coming in off the bench, Robert Williams. And honestly, if I was them, I probably would have played Robert Williams, started him off the bat and bringing in Tice off the bench. But that's just me. But either one of those three uh, wasn't giving them all they needed at the center position. So that was an issue in itself. And honestly, just thinking about it, Kimba, Kimba, for all the great things he's done in his career and, and not received notoriety, he could have stepped up more and been more consistent. He wasn't. As yeah, it, he had a bad. He had a bad series. Yeah, I agree exactly. with you. Exactly, and, and, I'm, and I'm, think, a, I'm a UConn, think, I'm a UConn guy too, and I believe you. Uh, I agree with you. And I, and I think also this uh, love market smart, smart on their team, the heart he brings to their team, but they're going to have to go with Kimba. 
Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as the one, two, and the three, in my opinion, and then go with a four right. and a five. Because that, that line But, you know, the only, the only thing you said, though, spot, no. the only thing I, I would say is, though, you know, out of bio, you're not going to, you know, he ain't going to do double-doubles or anything. I, I, I mean, he's going to block some shots. So, I, it's just, was the center spot really – you know, and, and at the four or anything, really an issue for Boston because Miami's really not that type of squad. And you already talked about what the what they'll present as an issue with the Lakers. You know, the Lakers, they're two big fellas. You know, they they on post and shoot and everything else. Mm, I think that you know they were in uh, their four in the five spot. The four spot, no, wasn't an issue. Five spot, yes, was an issue. Uh, I, I just think they could have dominated a little bit more than what they did. I, I just don't, you know, the Heat actually, the Heat did did some damage in there, but you know, even though, you know, I just think that they they need something more at the center position than what they currently have. Tyson, Tyson, right. the bench guy, he's not a starter. They right. need somebody else. In yeah, there. it just that's just my, my thoughts on them. And I think it hurt. Them yeah, and he, and he, he, it trouble. wasn't like he was. You're right, and, and you're right. He didn't like uh, uh, dominate. I was just, just saying this about uh, uh, you. Know, I, I think too the Boston's depth. They could have done more. You're right at that position. They definitely could have done more um, uh, against Miami. Miami. Uh, before I go to uh, T Mac uh, real quick, and I hope uh, we have uh, other guests on. Um, the the Lakers again, you know De- Denver. I I really think Mike. I mean, it, it might have been maybe not the greatest matchup for Denver, but I think they ran out of gas. You can't keep coming down three one in every series and trying to win. I don't care how good your center is. I don't care how good your point guard, your young your young guard is, and everybody else on that team. I think they ran out of gas on top of the fact. That everybody, and again, I say this to Pat Nation, I love LeBron, even on the court, except for when he went back to Cleveland. But I love him on the court and off the court. But he gets a lot of credit. But big man, you know, you don't have Anthony Davis. you're You're not in the finals. And he proved it. So talk about what the Lakers will do that is going to pre- uh, uh, present a lot of problems for the Heat. Oh, the Lakers are going to stay big. That's an issue for the Heat because uh, with the Lakers, yep. um, they can stay big and they can defend smaller people. That's the that's the thing right. with uh, you know nobody really talks about because Dwight Howard can defend smaller people. Anthony Davis can too. Javale can to an extent, but not quite as well as Dwight. So, and then plus their smaller lineup is still huge because you have Anthony Davis at the center spot, which is six, what, six ten, six eleven. Then you have uh, Marcus, Marcus Morris out there at six ten. Then you've got uh, either Kuzma or you know somebody else out there, and you got and then you forget KCP's like six seven, six eight. So you know right. that, that's what people forget a lot. Their small lineup is bigger than regular lineups for a lot of people. So. You know that's what the, what the Lakers they can defend and give a lot of problems to the Heat and still say they can they can get their so-called small lineup out there and still dominate. 
And then you have also uh, on the defensive end, they're going to give them problems because the Heat, they get a lot of second chance points in terms of just being scrappy and fighting on the boards. I don't think they get as many second chance points this series, especially getting on the boards. I don't think they do. And let me ask you this too, because that, or, or I'll say a comment, talk with Mike Patton, I'm going to get to T in a minute. Do you think that the Lakers have an advantage, an extra advantage, because they played something similar in terms of size with Houston? You know, the, the Miami is not tall. Houston plays a different style, just shoot, 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 run up three-point, whatever. And Miami does do the three-pointers and stuff. But is that is, is have, have the Lakers seen um, – Miami on the West Co- uh, in the Western Conference as a you know as it relates to to the Houston Rockets. I would actually think the Nuggets are a little bit more similar to Miami than uh, than the actual uh, Houston Rockets simply because the center position okay. uh, is a, is like a point center just like Jokic was. Bam does the same thing except for just Bam can't shoot right. quite as well and there's more better shooters around him. Uh, so I think the, the Lakers are well prepared coming into this series, especially off the series they just came off of. Um, you know, the only thing I would say is Miami is a little grittier defensive team than what Denver is. Denver's a little bit, you know, you know they can be they're not they're not as defensively focused as Miami is. So that's the biggest difference. But it, those, those teams are more similar than than Houston and Miami, in my opinion. Right. Great, great point. You, you actually, I, I agree with you. They are closer to Denver with the the big in the middle. Um, uh, although, um, you know, you got a, a a guy in Denver who literally, I, I believe, um, uh, was the reason why they won one game with the Lakers. You know, um, so I mean, and and the foreign kids are coming back. Talking with Mike Patton, of course, three point conversion. SportsAwakening.com. The the national voice has an article. Uh, we'll we'll talk about where you can find that six four six nine two nine zero one three zero four. We get out of here. I want to make sure uh, people know how they can reach out to you. I want to go to my long long time friend and uh, a colleague uh, with questions, Tony T Mac McLean from BASN Newsroom. Oh, cut it out already, will you? <laughs> 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 I look. I, I'm still waiting. I'm still. I'm still waiting for that that hundred in the in the uh, the uh, mail. You know what I'm saying? So. Hey, hey, yeah. Hey, keep waiting there, bro. Keep waiting. Um, <laughs> one, 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 one question, Mike. Doc Rivers' next job will be the Philadelphia 76ers. Reasons. Yes, come on, come it. on! I can't, I can't just leave it out there like that. Now, come on, come on, come on! Why, why, why? I'll why, say why? this. I'll, I'll say this. That team's more constructed, better for him to be the leader of that team than for uh, a certain Mike D'Antoni to be it. Because Mike D'Antoni is the leader of that team. That means one of the big men is gone, and when that means more than likely that Embiid would be gone. <laughs> if Embiid's still there, then uh, you know. Then I would say Doc would be the best to fit that team. They'd be able to run the team through the big man. And I think, uh, you know, definitely he would be able to be a leader that they could respect. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely could see Doc being the coach of that team. Ben probably goes back to the point guard spot, and they roll from there. 
And I think the offense will be interesting looking in, in itself, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think uh, the offense, they're going to try to run some kind of motion or anything like that. But, that, you know, Doc's essentially going to give the ball when it, when it comes down to it. Get the ball in, beat in the post, and get out of the way. And Ben Simmons, get the jumper working because you're going to need it. Doc's going to probably command that out of you, buddy. <laughs> so, oh yeah. By the way, just to, in case y'all didn't know, I, I just uh, saw this come across that the Rockets are interested interested in training for Miles Turner from the Indiana Pacers. Wow. So, so you know that if Mike D'Antoni becomes the coach of there, then that means he's probably gone. They're going to keep one of the big men because even though they got Danita, Danita Sabonis, who was out injured during the bubble. And, and Turner, so I expect one of those two will be gone. And there's already talk out there that Mr. Oladipo wants out as well. So there you go. Thank you, sir. I'm good. Well, he he should Oladipo should want out in in Indiana. But you know what? With with, with Philly, I was going to ask you um, with with Doc coming in, it might be a stretch to you guys, but you know him playing the position, and I I, I forgot how tall Doc is, but he wasn't a short guard. Um, could he Six help three, five, this kid? Right. Could he help him? T. Could he help this kid get right? Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really. Absolutely. I mean, look, he look. You got to remember, this was the guy that was that well that would get the ball to Dominique, that would get the ball to uh, Willis, that would get the ball to, you know, everywhere he's you know he is he's he is old he's he's his old you know he is I guess what we would call old, an old school guard, so he would have to, I would think he would probably make him adapt, you know, a little bit to them to the modern era, but yeah, you can't get a better coach, and I and I think let's put it this way. We all know that Doc and um, Rajon Rondo sort of went at it because Rajon refused to listen. I would think Simmons would listen because he doesn't have right. If nothing else, he just doesn't have the resume that Rondo has. Right, that Rondo has uh, achieved. So the the best thing he could do is listen to what Doc says. Yeah, and then two. I would think two guys that Mike. Um, that he he would be a, a, a lot more sensitive to that whole, um, you know, big man, small man. That is, and of, of course, uh, uh, he's not that small, but a, a lot of pick and rolling, and he would instill some defense. Something that, as a Sixer fan, I don't think they do enough. And now, because I don't think that Doc uh, guys, Mike, specifically now, I don't think that. Um, I thought the Clippers underachieved defensively, and that's why they're not in the finals. I don't that's think correct. that they're mm-hmm. they're bigs, right? They didn't do what they needed to do. So it, I don't, but I don't think it was on Doc. I think the players didn't do what they needed to do. And so, uh, what do you say about that? And then, do you have you heard anything why after seven years, and he to me turned his franchise around? Right, Chris Paul removed um, that they're parting ways. They're saying parting ways, but we know we can read between the lines. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, the thing is with the 
the Clippers, yeah, they definitely did uh, underachieve defensively. Um, the thing I, I thought, you know, the thing you always think about the, uh, the good teams is they can turn it on and turn it off, turn it off, turn it on, I'm sorry. Um, that's what I think the Clippers thought they could do defensively. They have good right. individual defenders with uh, Beverly and, um, you know, Paul George and Kawhi. But the thing is, uh, defensively as a unit, they were pretty good and terrible when it came to them versus uh, Denver because neither one of them knew what the other was doing, nor did they actually uh, communicate that. And uh, from what I hear, Paul George is acting like boy George with some of these statements in the locker room too. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> but we're but you know we'll 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 leave that alone for right now. But yeah, he 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 he's got to stop the statements until he actually does something and shows up. And instead of uh, you know, I don't think he was PG thirteen. I think he was more uh, uh, G rated <laughs> when it came to Game Seven. But you know, it's oh, just to man. me. And then, and then let's not talk about how Kawhi was getting did by Denver in Game Six. Yeah, Denver was going at the supposed best defensive player in the NBA. Well, on perimeter wise, they were going at him, and they were scoring it with ease. So that right there tells me that I think the uh, you know the, the the Clippers severely failed defensively. And severely need to be better. <laughs> you know that that's the biggest thing. I think some changes will happen though. That organization. I don't think Montrez Harrell will be there next year either. Uh, he's yeah, gonna who's gonna be? Who's the, gonna take the spot? He's gonna by the Bulls. Who's gonna, who gonna be coaster? I mean, who's uh, gonna be? As far as coaching the team, I think Teron Lou will actually be uh, could slide over a position potentially, coach that team. Um, my, I my, he would be. be I think good. he might be. Yeah, he might be. I was gonna say he might be a good fit. He, he can handle personalities. He already did, right? And that's mm-hmm. a hell of a lot more talent than he had <laughs> um, when right. he started in Cleveland. So yeah, the only thing is, I'll ask you guys: is is enough with Paul George? Like he, you know, he's peanut, he's been peanut butter sandwich, you know, Magic tried to pull or whatever, peanut butter sandwich, and in terms of getting it done in the playoffs, and then you know he whining about defense and everything else. Uh, uh, should we, uh, Mike, demote this guy in terms of you know, um, or maybe he wasn't even elite in the first place, um, on both ends of the court. Uh, I would say this. Uh, Paul George was Paul George is Paul George. That's that's all I can really give you with him. Um, <laughs> he's great in regular season. He can be great defensively, but is he really a guy that's going to lead your team? No, he's a guy that's not going to lead you to a championship. When it gets tough, he's a guy that can take instruction uh, instruction from a leader and not be the actual leader itself. That's I think is the biggest issue with him. Um, I don't think he ends up not there next year. I think he ends up there next year. Uh, but the thing is, that cast will be a little bit different. Honestly, I think there's a big man on the Lakers that might end up being a Clipper next year, potentially. Mm. And that would be Mr. Well, Dwight we know AD. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, think, uh, I, think, I think Dwight ends up being uh, a Clipper next year, simply because I think Montrezl Harrell leaves. 
and then um, that gives a you know a spot to be filled right there. And they need that energy, and they need a. And from looking at it, they need a big man coming in off their bench. If the Lakers don't bring him back, he'll still stay in L.A. with the Clippers just because they need a bigger backup center. Montrezl Harrell was getting abused <laughs> in the post by Jokic because he wasn't giving anything offensively. Yeah, but he sure was giving them. He sure was uh, getting abused defensively. You know, uh, I uh, I want to ask you both. We're talking. You know, on the Bass uh, News Radio show here on the Bass News Radio Network, WCLM in uh, Carville, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, start your mic, then go to T. Um, you know, we had some folks. Obviously, it in, in a lot of cases it's dismissive, um, but we're talking about uh, Doc Rivers' record, not necessarily in Boston, um, but. You know the the losses in 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 game sevens. How, I mean, if you're gonna base stuff on losses in game sevens, and you want to go Bill Fitch, uh, Boston, you want to go Casey Jones, Boston, you want to go other people, Boston, go a lot of coaches, Boston, um, or, or any coaches at all. Then that's the case. The man has uh, what was his record? Three hundred fifty-six and something like a, a great record in Clippers. Clipperland, on top of the fact that, Mike, this is the Clippers. You ain't royalty. You you ain't <laughs> even sniffing royalty. You're not even sniffing they royalty. The, and and, they got and the L.A., royalty, <laughs> you, you being sarcastic, and L.A., royalty looks purple, right? And, and, and says MJ, not Michael Jordan, but Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, you know, Wilt Chamberlain and 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 the guy who's on the emblem. So, you know, I think Doc brought what they never had. And I'm ecstatic. He come to Philly. Oh, my God. Like, we got a coach, finally. Billy Cunningham is like, yeah. I mean, so when you talk about him and his lineup, and by the way, he 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 shaped those lineups in Boston, and in Orlando. People forget they talk about Game Seven there, and then and the Clippers talk about him in terms of being a talent, um, uh, to be able to to deal with 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 consequences and deal with young people and deal with attitudes and arrogance and uh, and superstars. He did all that. He's been doing all that. Tony talked about uh, Rondo being. Uh, Malnick Kent and, and 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 getting in trouble and starting trouble and stuff. And yet they still drive with this guy. I'm a hype him up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when it comes to Philly, I'll, definitely. Okay, okay. I'll I'll tell you this. You're hyping him up as uh as when it comes to Philly. But I'll tell you one thing. Let him mess around and and have a losing streak or anything like that. You'll probably be one of the first people mad at him. Like, what is Doc doing? Get him out of there. I don't know what he's doing. I, 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 Maybe I, I was wouldn't wrong. say that about Doc. You know, why? <laughs> you know why? No, you know why I wouldn't say that? Because, uh, A, to me, guys, Elton Brand's got to – he's got to prove something to me. He shouldn't be fired. I'm not saying that. But you need to – you let some talent go, you need to bring some talent in, number one. But I'm not. I'm not saying he needs to go. I'm just saying Elton Brand, you in there, 
Uh, all right, let's do that. Number two, short, you have to decide. Right, right, right. And then I th- also I think too, you have to decide what you what's your philosophy. Is it a big man inside, or is it a point guard who could be magic? You have, and I think I think Doc can figure that out. That's what I'm saying. I think Doc can figure that out. That he can he can bring forth the best of this franchise. He's done it, and so. Yeah, I I I, I think that's the thing, Mike. I think really, we're gonna hope he does so. Man, I'm just um I'm sorry I'm listening to you, but I'm sitting here uh, laughing because uh, the funniest <laughs> thing ever is that Kyle Kuzma is gonna be facing his ex boyfriend's new his ex girlfriend's new boyfriend in the finals. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, Tyler, Tyler, yeah, Tyler Hero dating his ex his ex girlfriend. <laughs> so he's gonna. So he's basically been seeing her around campus, walking with Tyler Hero. <laughs> hey, time. you know. <laughs> hey, what, look. What's What's funnier is Barkley said trying to say Kyle Kisberg. Uh, he Kyle Kuma. He says Kyle Kuma. You know. So oh, that goodness. that's really funny. He, he, <laughs> came for that. he says. La. That's that fine Auburn uh, education that he's got. A- exactly. You know, the, the Mr. Brianna Taylor didn't die like George Floyd, Charles Barkley. You know, Carl, Carl, me and my boys laugh at Carl Kuma, and Carl Kuma, Kuma, is his last name Kuma? Oh, my goodness. I never knew what's going on. All I can say is if, uh, if you want to win something, just have Charles Barkley guarantee on the other side of it. You you are so right. You are so right with that. Man. He is so the opposite. Anybody he picks. Have him just say, yeah, you're the opposite. So he says that, just bet on the other side. You win. <laughs> yep, that's the French kiss. That's right. That's the French kiss of, that's the French kiss of death there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, one, one, la- one last thing uh, at the time of this broadcast to get you both uh, uh, thoughts on um, the matchup that that'll be coming be KC in Baltimore, and people say, um, and again, I'm just you know just for for conversation, um, Mike Lamar Jackson needs to win more than Pat Mahomes. No, they probably Steelers Tennessee Titans are doing really well, and they, by the way, they both play each other. Uh, they'll probably be there. At the end, Kansas City and Baltimore are still the best two teams. You have the MVP and a Super Bowl winner and an MVP playing against each other. So at the end of the day, Mike, I say they're still going to be, you know, win or lose, whoever wins or loses, they're still at the end. Talk about that, and then talk about the the fact that they still want to not give Cam the credit coming in with the same – Supporting cast, by the way. You know, same supporting cast. No, you got a lesser, you got a lesser he, supporting cast, honestly. Well, well that, that's it, that makes it even better for him. Coming in, getting it done, they 2-1. They could have beat, they could have beat, uh, uh, what's the name, if they had won, if they had, you know, stretched it out. I thought it was a bad call. But they want to make Belichick the genius on this and not give a healthy Cam Newton credit for being the quarterback that he is. And Carolina, I'm glad they lose it because they gave up on him. 
of being the quarterback that he is and getting it done in New England, and then they praising the old dude with all these weapons. He can throw the ball all over the place um, in Tampa. Um, the thing I'm looking at is, uh, you know, no matter what happens, uh, just the play of the black quarterback is still going to be there. Uh, both of these quarterbacks right. are still going to be successful. They're still going to do their thing, but you're still going to have people that doubt them over and over again. Uh, just because, oh, you didn't throw it this way. He didn't do it quite this way like other people have done, you know. So the best thing they can do is just be quiet be or be loud, be quiet, do whatever they want to do and be who they are and, and continue to, uh, to dominate the league in the fashion they have. Which, by the way, I will say tonight I got uh, Baltimore winning this game. They're going to dominate time possession, and they're also going to dominate uh, they're also going to dominate running the football. Those two things are going to lead to a victory for the Baltimore Ravens tonight. By the way, guys, but, guys, let's let's just let's just come right out and say it. This is the Manning and Brady of the next generation, but of course they're not black. That not not white enough for folks. So, of course, so, you know, it's 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 like the same folks who are jumping on the Russell Wilson bandwagon. Russell Wilson's been kicking ass since the day he put on uh, number three jersey. <laughs> T, T, Russell Wilson, to your point, T, to your point, T, Russell Wilson, folks don't know, has never gotten a MVP vote in the eight years or so he's been in the freaking league. I mean, come on. That speaks speaks to everything. That speaks to everything you need to know about the National Football, about the the Pro Football Writers Association. Tells you everything you need to know. Hmm. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, Mike, the fact that he's never got – he's been balling out way before – I mean, many times. The guy, he makes smart decisions. He never gets hit because he's smart enough not to get hit. He doesn't throw interceptions. He throws the best, in my opinion, the best deep ball on point that anybody in the league has been like that forever since he's been in the league. People say Aaron Rodgers, no, they ain't looking at – Russell Wilson, he hits people in stride. They catch it and keep running, and they don't and talk got, about him. And he's, and he's already and he's already got a protege down in Arizona. There, there you go. Oh yeah, yeah, Kyler Murray. He's yeah, already got a prize in, you know, he's got a protege in Arizona. That's that's the I'll say this about Kyler. I'll, I'll say this about Kyler Murray though. Kyler Murray got better wheels than Russell though. Ooh. Oh yes, he does. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a it's a thing of age. You look, hey. Russell, you know, Russ is, you know, Russell's got some tread on his tires, but even with his, you know, let's put it this way, the tread on his tires isn't like the tread on the tires of, like, say, a Big Ben or a Bre- or a Brady or a Rogers or a Breeze. He can Thank still you. do some stuff. Thank with you. Right. But I, I guess man, the, I, the biggest I, I can't call him Big Ben anymore. I call him Bathroom Ben. But you know, well, you don't I've, heard, call him I've, heard called, I've, I've heard him call some other things by uh, by Steeler fans, but <laughs> I, know the, I know the kids are listening, so I can't say exactly what they call them. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. Outside of Pittsburgh, just like uh, T, we talk about you know Yankee fans outside of New York, whatever. Uh, uh, some common sense approaches will, will take place, but and, and with with uh, I still call him Roth is pervert, and I'm a Steeler fan. Right, Roth is pervert, and we know what he did and got away with. We know what he, he got away with. Um, and, and he saw Jesus all of a sudden, and I, I won't question that. But well, the, the, well, the, well, the thing it, is, it always, seems, it always seems like you're fighting Jesus when when things are going bad. Never find him when he's going of good. Of course, that's, that's always, that's always interesting to me. 
they, when they when they found out that uh, his boy took the tape out of the club and all that stuff, of course he found Jesus. He found Jesus real fast there. Um, but and, uh, I think that I, the uh, biggest thing. Go ahead. I was gonna say you got another dilemma on your team too, because you got a guy that was uh, um, on your team who keeps doing his own thing as offensive tackle, Mister Villanueva. Not saying it was a wrong thing oh to do, God. but uh, but yeah, yeah. So they got. But you know what, though, Mike. You know what, Mike. But you know what, Mike. But you know what, Mike. This is the same Villanueva who got upset with the Steelers not coming out and. And was you know the flag and all that. I know he served and all that, but that's the same thing. I don't you know. I know he was a product of a small school and all this other stuff. But I I, I never again. I'm not feeling guys like that on the team. I, I'm not. So whatever you know. Um, and he's got yeah, he some tread on the tires. So you know. He was a wide receiver in college. That was the funniest thing. Though. He was a wide receiver in college at, at Army. Mm. And then he just grew he into a grew. offensive tackle. Yeah. I was going to say, no, no, he, he was seriously quite was a, a bit. No, 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 he was, he was, six, he was a big 6'7 wide receiver at Army. Well, that was, must have been one wow. hell of a thread. That must have been one hell of a thread, Mike. They, they yeah, actually, no, he uh, uh, no, seriously. If you if you look at his uh, if you look at his college tape, he was a wide receiver at Army or Navy, the Army or Navy, one of two. And he uh, basically this is what he became offensive tackle. Well, he, yeah. he what he needed to do is need to do is lay off some cold cuts or something or whatever he's doing. Because that, that's really oh, what he did. <laughs> but anyway, oh. but anyway, but anyway, um, I, I guess. My biggest thing is, look, you look at this Panther team, team Mike, we'll finish with this. Um, their <laughs> best player is gone. They didn't give the patience um, for a guy that you see in New England that still got game. And I'm mm-hmm. not rooting for New England, but I damn sure want, uh, 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 you know, a, a quarterback damn. that's really doing well. That that he it, I hope he leaves the wing right after this and then he gets a big contract because you know here they they want to they already criticized the Teddy Bridgewater here like you know can't throw no pick and mm-hmm. so I mean and Teddy's done nothing but do he's got wide receivers so he can throw to it's not even on Teddy's the defense is horrendous you said this before Ooh, absolutely garbage he's garbage yeah that's defense. Um, that defense is bad, bad. That defense is bad. I don't even, I don't even, I can't name two players on that defense. Mm-hmm. Right. Two. They got two a young players. secondary. LA, LA. Even Mike D'Antoni said their defense was bad. Oh, Woo. my God. Goodness. You know it's bad. You know it's bad. But big ups to Cam yeah. because he brings a new dimension. Now, I haven't listened to fans up there. They're two and one, you know. Um, and they they destroyed a couple of teams, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what they're saying because I, well, New England and Carolina. Did, well, yeah, I was gonna say New England and Carolina are the same. I I told the story on the air and I'll say it again. I was at the Super Bowl with Denver and Carolina. I was, I'm in a restaurant bar and sitting there with these guys. 
these, they, I'm not with them, but they're, they're sitting there. These old white guys with Panther stuff on, and they said they hope that Peyton Manning and that defense shoves the football up um, his ass. Now you got a, a quarterback that's bring, trying to bring a championship there in Cam, and they they rooting against him. Got Panther stuff all on, but they ain't rooting for him. I think the same thing will happen in New England. I hope he gets 5,000 freaking yards and 1,000 yards rushing, and then he leaves. But I think, Mike, the same thing can happen in New England as it happened in the, in the backside, um, in the private side, um, with, with Cam in Carolina. I think uh, eventually you know, Cam will – he's going to get his criticism up there. You know it's going to happen because of the area of where where he's uh, playing. Um, you know I definitely enjoy watching him play. Um, you know essentially they have a wide receiver in Edelman and a bunch of nobodies that he's making plays with basically and making yep. them look like yep. something. So you know and the yep. things with Teddy B. Teddy B is Teddy B is nice, but mm-hmm. you know Teddy B is just playing with the team that. Has Robbie Anderson and who and Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey who is out right now. Robbie Anderson's nice when it comes to running the deep patterns and things like that. It's just he has no uh, basically he has no uh, no patterns, kind of, no, no deep threats, no deep you know, threats. Patterns, yeah, no, yeah. He just no has no versatility to his, uh, to his game. I mean, even you know, even guys like Matthew Stafford and Josh Allen have deep threats. Neither one of them had right. Yeah. You know, I well, mean, I Robbie will go deep. And, I mean, Robbie could do it, but I'm saying it, Robbie's the guy who could go deep and then he goes short, um, and can't make the play. That that that's his issue. And then again, Teddy and that offensive line is not the greatest offensive line, and Teddy's not gonna run like like Cam. He's a pocket dude. He gonna throw the ball. I mean, he's not that, right. you know, but here it's like, you know, well, you know, and then they blaming the, the coaches, but y'all let Ron Rivera go, though. I mean, it, it's just a mess. They, I, I feel bad for San Diego for the brother, um, but, you know, that that was their signature win right now. I don't see many of those. And that's because they let the Thomas Davises of the world and the Cam Newtons of the world go. So, Danby, yep. you know, the, the the fact that you should have kept those folks. And you see a healthy then, Cam, then what he can Luke do. Then kept Luke Kuechly. Then kept Luke Kuechly and Kuchly. gave him a front office job. <laughs> yep. So. And then all he does, he <laughs> retires, so I'm done. I'm just trying to figure out to myself, uh, what is, uh, I wonder what Shaq Thompson is thinking about right now. I mean, he was supposed to be the next linebacker in line, and, Honestly, I, I can't find him on the football field. Well, well, well first of all, it's because he's exhausted. <laughs> Number one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I hear you, but, geez, come on, Z- Z- uh, Shaq, you're supposed to be the man. You're oh, supposed yeah, to be well, the guy right. that's uh, – you were supposed to be the man that um, essentially made that defense around you. You were supposed to be that guy to kind of be the linchpin to kind of keep it together. And now I'm like, okay, where are you? The only guy I know that, well, I would say this. I'm a Shaq Thompson, and there's a guy, uh, 
God, the guy in the middle of that defense, too. There's a guy up front, too. And I, my, it, his name escapes me, but, yeah. They've got some They got some things to work on. They definitely do. Double, I don't double, love double him. Thing. Still, whatever. It's whatever. Several things they got to work yeah. on. Mike, yeah. Mike, they need you to, go, uh, let me know. They need to go on church on. They need to go on mass on church mass Sunday before before the games. You know, they need to go ahead and do that. They'll be all right. They, you know, try yeah. Jesus. Maybe they'll help them. <laughs> Jesus is the answer for the world today. Ooh, my God, that's old school right there, boy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, before before you go, let people know where they can find the article. CSD basketball and, and, and how they can reach out to you, sir. They can find the article at the National Voice, nationalvoice.com. I'm actually working on a couple articles now with uh, one involving uh, prostate cancer awareness and the other talking about the black beer uh, experience. Uh, let's see. Um, you can also find me at Three Point Conversion. i uh, write some Titans articles there. I've surely got another one. My last one, uh, course questioned uh, Jadavion Clowney and if he's actually dialed in with the Titans. So, yeah, that got a quite an interesting response. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, working on a couple things there and, you know, a few other things up my sleeve as well. But, yeah, you can find me there and on social media you can find me at MikePatton82 on uh, Twitter and on Instagram at the underscore general underscore MP. Mm. Steelers or Titans, real quick. Oh boy, let's see. Steelers are going to take an L that game because the Steelers are faking the funk to me. If you're letting the Houston Texans with three number three wide receivers put up 21, 28 points against you, something is severely wrong. Very, very wrong. And I think they're going to get lit up like a Christmas tree come Sunday. Especially with uh, the Titans being the most uh, being the most versatile offense they probably are going to face since, uh, so far in the season. I think, uh, yeah, you're going to see Derrick Henry get 100 yards like he usually does. And you're going to see Tannehill make some plays in the passing game. I'll say this, if they win this game, the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to have to be immaculate in terms of T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, and Hayward getting it done. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think the offense hasn't clicked yet. They've been kind of average with all the weapons Ben has, and this has been preseason. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see uh, what happens. I think Clowney makes a big play in this game. For the first time, instead of making a big play for the other team and giving up a dang touchdown, Jonathan Joseph had a touchdown and he does a crack rate blocking basically negates the whole touchdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I that's a that's a valid point. we we'll, we will see um who wins and I'll we don't pray the, for the Eagles on uh, we're gonna pray for the Eagles that they show up Sunday too, because uh they're playing the forty ers on Sunday night football. Oh, well, we we got no love across the state, but anyway, we'll see. I, I what figured happens. you were gonna say that. They need to try Jesus <laughs> too. Now. 
Hey, listen, listen. They, they, they do. And listen, uh, I hadn't heard from Orlando in quite some time, just so you know. <laughs> he probably was thinking them woulda, shoulda, coulda, and uh, wondering what's going on. He probably, he probably is playing Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Probably, you know, over and over again. Right now. Is he playing Marvin Gaye and Brian McKnight? What a shit of coulda, but it, that's what he's doing. But we'll oh, see man. what happens. And Mike is always no, one boy, man. I appreciate the man. you. Water runs dry too. <laughs> 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 Oh my god Oh my god You're too much I, And this is all on tape I just want you to know It's all on tape <laughs> Hey If it goes bad It goes hey, bad Mike. That's right. All right Appreciate you brother Be safe You and your family Be well okay Yes sir All right Mike Patton Always good to have him on Three point conversion Nashville Voice SportsAwakening.com Article on Nashville Voice about Tennessee State's basketball program uh, moving forward and the, you know, the, the pitfalls that may happen in that situation. That's it. Miss Vinny Carter, broadcast to our website, Bastion News Radio, show the Bastion News Radio Show on the Bastion News Radio Network in WCOM in Carborough, North Carolina. Enjoy. Talk to you soon on the show.
I mean, is it good to you? Because believe me when I tell you, it feels good to me. Welcome back to the show. Don't forget, uh, we our previous guest had talked about his issue, uh, a black attorney in, in California that was tased. And again, folks, he's a black attorney. He's not a civilian. He, You would think that justice and, and respect would come to him. But that didn't happen. They charged him. I want to give some information out to you in that in San, San Bernardino, uh, California, the a DA that's prosecuting this young black man is Jason Anderson. He's the district attorney. Uh, that phone number to reach them and complain and show um, solidarity is 909-382-3800. 909-382-3800. The website is spcountyda.org sb as in boy county uh, da.org um, email is dajspcdeda.org dajspcda.org in San County DA he is the DA now person prosecuting as he mentioned, is a Latina, all right? DA prosecuting the case is Jana Burrell. She is married to a black man. Her her other name was Jana Santiago, Santiago. So you can also reach her there. That phone number is 909-382-3800, 909-382-3800, website, www.spcountyda.org spc or spcountyda.org and the email is dajsbcda.org make your voice heard this man was a uh, African American walking in to speak with the clerk and they treated him like a common criminal based on 
as he said, um, what he was wearing and the fact that he was a black man. Uh, and now they're prosecuting him. He was tased, folks. You need to go to the uh, web address and look at this. The uh, address on YouTube, you can watch it. It's YouTube. Dot, uh, I should say YouTube. Dot, YouTube.be slash M I L C D three B O seven N. But even if you don't have that, you can Google black attorney chased in court and it will come up in California. You can see he's very upset and very taken by it. I would have been and doing the same. And they don't want us to be violent, but they want to commit violence. It's the most bizarre and most Disgusting way to treat any human being. Uh, you can, we can't. That's not going to work for us. These young people out here in protest, accept them, respect them, because they like, I don't know anything about civil rights. I ain't going to take that stuff. And that's the way it is. It is the Bachelor News Radio Network on WCOM, Chapel Hill, uh, Carborough. And uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network. Make sure if you need the information, email me at labachelor40 at gmail.com if you want to help out this brother in this case.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.